Hello and welcome to another episode of You May Not Like This But. Thank you for turning in, tuning in and and thank you for all your responses which I'm very grateful for. The title for this episode is Reverse Salvation Part 2. Salvation is heresy. It's a very strange title. And it is, it marks for me a certain sense of divine intervention in as far as I have stated previously that I would be rebooting the series I wrote on the eight New Testament judgments. Um, but I made the previous episode entitled Reverse Salvation in response to an experience I had while taking a walk and praying in the Spirit as I went, and the idea came to me very forcibly, thinking that I would do this and be faithful to it and obey God in it and then carry on and do my do what I had I had already planned. But again, while I was walking and praying in the Spirit, giving thanks to God for all his goodness, there seemed to be a renewed a renewed urgency in this matter and and the the phrase salvation is heresy came strongly to mind and i thought what a strange thing to hear what a strange thing what a strange idea but as I thought on it, I realized it was not strange. In fact, it was enormously familiar. In as far as it, it captures perfectly the mood of our times. Let me explain piece by piece what this is, what I mean. First of all, what is salvation? Essentially, salvation is, at its most minimal definition, is, is a deliverance from danger. That is quite simply what is meant by salvation. Uh, a man in a helicopter comes down on a ladder over a stormy sea to grab hold of the hand of a drowning man and rescues him. And like that, that is exactly he is rescued. I remember there is one title, one book I remember reading, and it's a beautiful title, Mercy, God's Rescue Plan for Mankind. And that is exactly what this 
podcast and the blog by the same name seek to do. They seek to put thoughts that of the, of that nature that you to rescue people from the danger that they are in as non-believers. Then secondly, what is heresy? Now, equally essentially, heresy is a variance from the orthodox. And this can be either religious or non-religious, and can be a purposeful event. Um, for example, my co- I, I, have st- I have had the same training as you, but I've come to very different conclusions. And also, it can be accidental. Well, I didn't know uh, that I was disagreeing with you. I thought we agreed. But the whole idea of the presence of heresy, the idea of heresy and orthodoxy and heresy versus orthodoxy renders, has a, has a terrible constricting effect <clears throat> and renders free, freedom of speech virtually impossible. Now I want to read some scriptures and let me say that before I do, that my normal scripture reading round is using <clears throat> is using either the King James Bible or the New Revised Standard. Um, but I'm going to take, in the first instance, a detour of some magnitude in as far as I want to read two verses, that's all, from the message translation. And they come from verses, uh, from chapter 3 and verses 13 and 14. And it reads like this. If I can make some room on my desk here. Christ redeemed us from that self-defeating, cursed life by absorbing it completely into himself. Do you remember the scripture that says, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree? That is what happened when Jesus was nailed to the cross. He became a curse, and at the same time dissolved the curse. And now, because of that, the air is cleared, and we can see that Abraham's blessing is present and available for non-Jews too. We are all able to receive God's life, His Spirit, in and with us by believing, just the way Abraham received it. And the 
second portion of scripture I want to read, very small, a very small, um, only two verses again. And these two verses are found in the fourth chapter of the first epistle of John. And they are verses, uh, but I've got here verses six and seven, but it's actually verses seven and eight, I believe. Yes. <clears throat> Beloved, let us love one another. And I'm reading here now that this is my new revised standard version. Now, beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. I'm, I feel, I always feel when I read things like that and portions of scripture like that, I feel very awestruck and it is uh, an, um, an amazing thing. Now then, let's deal with the, with this. Galatians is, if you like, Romans for dummies. And whereas what I mean is, it is the the Apostle Paul is is saying in the epistle to the Galatians the same thing as he said in the epistle to the Romans, but he is in a different environment and a different or different uh, situation entirely, and. He is stating the same things, he is preaching the same message, but he is stating it in a very much more brief manner. And thusly, he leads us in that impetus to the first epistle of John, chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Heresy, heresy is easy to fall into and is just as much a temptation for the heretic as also the heresy hunter. The temptation in both, both, both cases is the question of the lure, the lure of oversimplification. Thusly, and now we're looking at it from in terms from the, from the from the perspective of the non-believer. Thusly, for the non-believer, who is happy as such, salvation is heresy. What can be said about this? This perfectly captures 
the mood of our age, with its political correctness, and so on. And it is a stifling, constricting atmosphere that renders, as I said previously, free speech almost impossible. Well, I want to suggest that there are ten affirmations as an answer to the previously stated situation. Think of them as rungs on a ladder, ten rungs on a ladder. With each one, you step a little higher from the perspective of the ground level from which you started. Number one. This, that is, the affirmation that salvation is heresy, is inverted good news. The, the idea that, oh, you're, we are what we are. We are human, we know what we are, we, we live, yes, the world is full of chaos, good and evil exists everywhere. If you want to use those words, there are pe some people are, you may judge as better than others, some we don't, we, we just say some are different to, than others. We say laws are there to keep us in tow, to keep us it makes civilized society well civilized and, and, and on the rhetoric goes. And as we know now in these days in this 21st century environment in which we live, things can get pretty stifling. And there is a sense of, well, heresy and orthodoxy which has been inverted. And the idea that salvation proclaimed by Christianity is heresy to that is comes to the un, the non-believer I should say as as well inverted good news. Why do I use the word inverted? It means what when you invert something you turn it upside down and you break it and you thus you sever yourself from it completely you turn it all upside down in your intellect you you where where one sees black the other sees white and vice versa um, it is good news for the non-believer salvation is heresy. Well, look at the scriptures that we have read. And this leads us to uh, the affirmation number two. It leads us to the curse. This is not easy, is it? It leads us to the curse. Now, what curse? The, the very fact the, the very fact that the apostle paul was speaking to people who had departed from the message of the gospel that he had proclaimed they 
they had inverted the gospel and they had forgotten that the law that they that they preferred now to the gospel that Paul preached was they had forgotten that there was a curse involved and that the law which they now loved proclaimed to them a curse and that curse was the law itself and they had forgotten that and this is not something that is was was particular to that person to those people at that time and so on it is it is a panacea and well yes it is an existential panacea we are all under it now then this brings us to affirmation number three and that is law having thus uh, pointed us to the curse and that curse is the law what law what law does the law proclaim and the answer to that is sin now then what is then sin what is me and sin is a terrible word these days and this is this is what the salvation is heresy people defend they, they, this is the uh, hot talking point that you cannot mention sin there is no such thing as sin yes there are laws to keep civilized societies civilized but we we are chaotic creatures they say thusly there's no such thing as sin well the it, the reason sin exists is because god exists and sin is sin is basically going against god it doesn't matter what what position you're in if you're high born or low born if your situation is well, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what your proclivities are it doesn't matter what your orientations are it doesn't matter whether you're religious or un it, what matters is what the way it applies to you is this are you alive then it applies to you it is that simple we're all sinners some are virtuous people some are not virtuous people some are rich people some are poor people some are old some are young some are black some are white some are religious some are non-religious some are of all kinds of religion look look it applies to all no one is sex is is picking on on sh neither should we and it's a terrible thing when this has happened and historically it has happened and and enormously and many many times and each time it is wrong that certain sections of society have been pointed out and pointed at and say 
you're a sinner. Well, well, yeah, well, I was told as a young man, for every finger you point, there are three more pointing back at you and one at God. So, put it this way, you apply this to yourself many times more than you do at others. Sin is sin, and we're all, we're, it's what we do. We, you see, there are two kinds of laws in the world. I've, I've touched on one, the law of the land. And the law, by the law, by definition of the law of the land, you are innocent until the moment comes when you commit a crime. And when you commit a crime, at that precise moment, you become a criminal. Well, the law of God is different. The law of God, by under the auspices of the law of God, you are shown a standard. And what the law, what God is showing us in giving us that law, he didn't just give that law to the children of Israel, he gave that law to all mankind. To show all mankind that we cannot attain to the glory of God. And that failure to attain to those, to that standard, to that glory of God, is called sin. And it applies to every man jack of us. Doesn't matter who or what you are. If you're alive, it applies to you. Thusly, it applies to me. That, and you don't become a sinner by committing a sin. What the law shows us is that we sin because we are already sinners. It's our, it's, a, it's a name for our species, if you like. So, have it, number four, having affirmation number four is having said that, uh, talk to us about sin, what sin? What, is, what does sin, what does sin itself proclaim? Sin itself proclaims the subject of <clears throat> death. Yes, that's another man, another thing that we're not allowed in this in this modern era to uh, mention is death. It it means that we die, but it doesn't mean die in the sense of the cessation of the metabolic processes. It means something else far more prevailing as than one than than one event it 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 means that we are dead without god because that is affirmation number 5 if sin proclaims death then what does death proclaim it proclaims the one who is the antithesis of death, and that is the author of life. It points us to the author of life itself, and that author of life itself is God. This precisely, we have to remember that it is the law of God. And 
and God is the opposite of life. Uh, but the opposite of death. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm very, very sorry about that. I'm, I'm, I'm straying from my notes here. I'm straying from what I'm saying. I'm very sorry. Uh, the the death. What death? It proclaims God, who is the opposite of death, the author of all life. And life. What is, and number six affirmation is, what is life? And life is God. Number seven, what then is God? God is love, as we have, uh, as we have read. Now then, how can we say God is, what is meant by God is love. Now, I've I've both spoken on this um, subject in these podcasts uh, previously, and I have written um, in the blog uh, previously about this very subject. Uh, the blog address is you may not like this, but dot blogspot dot com, and I've written about this copiously on. And I've spoken about it, but you to reiterate how <coughs> how can we say, excuse me, how can we say that God is love? How can the Bible well, the Bible says it, how can the Bible say that God is love? Well, we remember that there we we believe in a doctrine called the Holy Trinity. But there are three persons in the Holy Trinity, the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But these three are one. And now this is an, an enigma to, to all, for virtually all people that have said it. And even the people who believe in it. Many people who believe in it say, well, we're not meant to understand it. We're meant to believe it. And I will tell you this. To a, to a certain extent, that is true. We trust, we don't know how our bodies work, but we trust that they do. We only need help and knowledge from healthcare professionals when something goes wrong and our body is not working as it should. And in the same way, we don't know how God works. We can't possibly. God is enormous and vast. The whole universe exists in God. And thusly, we can't understand. Yes, I understand the affirmation, but God has given us a certain level of understanding, and I wish to reiterate that understanding. You see, the three immortal persons who constitute the Godhead are not three gods. You see, the three immortal persons of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, love each other. And that's the point. They love each other. Now, yes, as it has been written copiously about, they love themselves. They are aware of themselves as quotient beings. But their love 
what we affirm, what we affirm is this: in affirming the doctrine of the Trinity, and it sounds intense, and I'm yes, it is, it is huge, is that their love for each other is so vast and so unspeakably huge, and more than cosmic, more than anything that you can describe, that self-awareness is basically not the is is basically absent, and they love each other to this to an extent that they forget about themselves, putting it as simply as I can. And it is that love, that self-effacing love, which makes these three persons one. And it's the love that they have which causes self-awareness to disappear that we call God. God is indeed love. What is God? God is love. Affirmation number eight. Life itself is death without salvation. Life itself is death without salvation. This podcast and this and the blog that accompanies it seeks to proclaim salvation in as simple terms as possible. And, we'll, and I'll proclaim that again at the very end of this. It, I have heard many sermons from some are conservative evangelicals, some are charismatics, some are liberals, some are scholastic, many, many, many sermons about salvation. And they will tell you it's a terrible thing not to be saved, not to have salvation. I'm going to use the phrase be saved, but they use various phrases like have salvation or salve, just the word salvation. But I'm going to use the word be saved because it's more verbal. Uh, it's Oh, it's a terrible thing. The sum of it is this. Oh, it's a terrible thing to not to be saved. Oh, it's a wonderful thing to be saved. And oh, how I wish you would be saved. And yet they never tell you how to be saved. And I, and I think, well, the people who I heard, first of all, who's in whose company I was in my youth, they told me exactly how to be saved. They told me that I need to be to confess that I'm a sinner and ask Jesus Christ to become my personal saviour, to come into my heart and be my per and, and that's how you be saved. And and but I I I it, it for the life of me I've never understood why they never say these things. But there we are. So that was one of the reasons I started this uh, blog and podcast. Uh, 
salvation and you see when i look at sal look at life and i look at people now i'm not perfect i'm god forbid that i should ever proclaim that i'm perfect but i know that that as i've made this affirmation number nine uh, number eight uh, is that life is death without salvation then i make that affirmation because i know that having believed on the lord jesus christ that he has come into my heart taken away washed away my sins and does so every day by the way and is and reigns there as the the son of god the lord of my life and my personal savior that life would be death without that salvation but here is affirmation number nine namely salvation is a mere mind game without god salvation is a mere mind game without god when as i say i have I'm doing this very episode now on this very subject. I've written this very episode on this very subject when I had written uh, several more episodes on the subject of New Testament judgment to reboot the whole thing because I had gone as gone askew, not astray, askew from my original ten intentions and i'd gone off on a tangent so i i am i i fully intended to come back to that after the intervention of the previous episode entitled reverse salvation there was never intended in my mind to be a part two but there is why because i was walking and i was praying in the spirit and there was a strong sense of divine in intervention and what no let me state it more clearly there was a very strong sense of divine interruption and i have said this to god several times and i mean it from the bottom of my heart heavenly father you may be free to in because i know that all things come from you and you mean everything for our good you can interrupt me at any time of the day or night and i will be here to hear whatever you have to say well anyway this episode got written well got written got got written because of that interruption and let me say that in this way i know god is with me i have had times when i have been in prayer in the spirit and an understanding of the trinity as i've just given it to you has come to me and how many books have i read 
on the Trinity. Many, but they never told me that. And they didn't amount to those to that. And even an understanding of, well, nobody really understands the divinity of Jesus. And, and I have been in prayer, and an understanding has come to me, a prayer in the Spirit, and an understanding came to me about the divinity of Jesus. We'll talk about that again, otherwise we'll never get away. Um, but what I'm saying is that these things come to me in the Spirit. And the, the reality of the active and interrupting, intervening presence of God has been more than clear many times in my life. And that's the point. Salvation is a mere mind. And without this, without this, Christianity and all religion, for that matter, is religionized psychology and nothing more. My salvation is indeed a mere mind game without God. And this brings me, as we've come to God, to the subject of God himself, we come to this tenth and final affirmation. God is love and life is God. God is love and life is God. The love of God and the God of love. We have three persons who love each other in a self-effacing, a self-effacing manner that is beyond our comprehension, is too vast for, for sinful, fallen human minds to attain to. But we know that this is the case, and the love that they have for each other is what we call God, but it's like this. That love that they have for each other, that we call God, is the same God that is claimed in Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3. And that, named as God, right, named as God, extend that cosmic love toward the supreme creature he has made. Did I say supreme? It's a little arrogant. No, no, no. It's, a, it's an existential fact. You see, first creatures that God made were angels, and these are called in Scripture ministering spirits, right? Ministering spirits. And they 
occupy the spiritual realm. After that, as we read, God created animals, and these creatures occupy the material realm. But then God created man. And here is meant in the I've seen in any language is in German. They have a word called Menschen. It is male. It is not female. It is a generic name for the species. Men are either man, which is male men, or or femme, which is female men. Now then, where where was? And these this creature, this supreme creature, occupies both the spiritual and the material realms. No other creature, neither angel nor animal is able to do this but this creature as we all know sinned and the word sin by the way another word for that word is treason it is as if well we committed high that adam and eve committed high treason but the love of, that we call God is not content with the with the love of each other. The love of God extends to what, for all that treason that man committed in the Garden of Eden, that love from God is still extended. God is love, and life is God. And here we are. I'm going to conclude. Let me read those things, uh, those affirmations, as I have written them here. Affirmation number one, Salvation is heresy, is inverted good news. Affirmation number two. Curse? What curse? The law. Affirmation number three. Law? What law? Sin. Affirmation number four. Sin? What sin? Death. Affirmation number five. Death? What death? God. Affirmation number six. What is life? God. Affirmation number seven. What is God? Love. Affirmation number eight. Life is death without salvation. Affirmation number nine. Salvation is a mere mind game without God. And affirmation number ten. God 
is love, and life is God. I conclude with this, that life matters. I said in the last episode, and there's been some email reaction to this, that the word after life is an erroneous one because only li- there is only life. Well, I don't apologize for saying that because there is only one life. Life matters because life is all. And, and there is only one life, just as there is only one God. And life matters precisely because God is life, and life is God, and thusly only God matters. Include with the affirmation that spawned both this prod this post and the blog. God loves you. The, the four things. One, God loves you. Two, you must be saved. Three, you can be saved. Four, here is how. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Confess that you are a sinner, even if you don't feel like a Confess your sins as sins. Ask God to cleanse you from those sins. Ask Jesus Christ to come into your and be your personal Savior. And if you do those things, simply accept them by faith. And there's a say about faith, and there's an awful lot that has been rightly said about faith. Check it all out. Because if you understand that God loves you, if you understand that you must be saved, if you understand that you can be saved, and you agree how to be saved, you are saved. This ends the message, the essential message of this episode. I was going to tell you about other things. I was going to respond to some of the emails, or as many of the emails as I could, and talk to you about my uh, future plans uh, for further episodes and so on. But I, I think I have a very strong sense of the presence of God now, and I don't believe that it's appropriate to be light-heartedly chatty about other things as if well we've said what we we're going on to other things no i think in this instance is that i will end here i will make another episode and i'll entitle it a coffee episode okay a coffee episode uh, where i will simply talk to you it will be a short short episode and I will simply talk to you about my future plans. Uh, Thank you very much. If you're still listening, thank you for listening, and 
Uh, please, we'll meet again in the next episode. Bye-bye. God bless you.